Hey, this is Grant Collins, and I want to thank you for joining our midweek breakdown podcast for Fountain City Church. Uh, man, we're, I'm excited that you just chose to kind of tune in today and listen a little bit further. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of Mark the past several uh, weeks, and um, this week we, we kind of skipped over a passage um, that was in Mark chapter 3, verses 23 through 30. And uh, I said that we were going to deal with this in our breakdown passage, um, or our breakdown podcast. And so I wanted to take some time and just kind of talk about that today. Uh, we were talking a lot about forgiveness and what Jesus does with rejection and misunderstanding from people. But one of the crazy accusations that Jesus comes away with because he's being faithful to the kingdom of God uh, is that he is called, um, he is actually accused of being filled with Satan. And so the, the Pharisees obviously are threatened by the ministry and the life of Jesus. And the thing that they come away with is this guy is filled uh, with the spirit of Beelzebul, which is Satan. It's another word for Satan. Um, and it's by the power of Beelzebul that he's casting out these demons. And Jesus has this really interesting response to it. So I wanted to talk about that for a couple of minutes today, because I think it's probably pretty important for our culture that we get our mind around um, what this looks like and how this works. Um, and so let's read this and then we'll kind of just jump in. And I don't have any notes. I'm kind of just wanting this to be as conversational as it can be with me holding a microphone in the middle of an empty uh, church building by myself. But, you know, whatever. Um, okay, so Mark three twenty three says, So Jesus caused these Pharisees over to him, these guys who just said that he was demon-possessed, and they began to sp- uh, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan, he says. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house can't stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Verse 30 says, he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Uh, so at a really like surface level cursory reading, Jesus really wants them to understand that it is not okay to call who God is and what God does Satan and what he does. Um, he's saying that it's unforgivable for you to address the spirit of God and the work of God as though he's Satan just because you're threatened. And he says it's actually unforgivable. Like we don't hear Jesus put this label on anything else ever. He always leads everyone to forgive everything. He himself forgives everyone, everything on the cross. And yet he's telling people, look, this is the level that it rises to, that you don't call the Holy Spirit Satan. Um, and so this is really important for us out the gate. But I think it's really interesting that right here, Jesus is facing a personal offense, and he takes this moment to teach a parable, right? So he's personally being, uh, it's said about him that he has an impure spirit, or the, the spirit of Beelzebub is in him, the spirit of Satan, and it's by that spirit that he's casting out demons. And Jesus gives a very simple teaching. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? Now, he uses like a collective um, luggage word there, Satan, which is the, sat- the Satan is the accuser, um, and so this is not just a name, it's a title, just like Christ isn't a name, it's a title. Um, Satan, or the Satan, is the one that accuses. And he's talking about the leader of 
um, of the demonic spiritual force that we call Satan or Beelzebul or the devil. Um, and then he goes into talking about how this works. He says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, then he goes into talking about if a house is divided against itself, and then if an individual is divided against himself, if Satan is divided against himself. And so Jesus does something really interesting here. He parses this down into three pieces so that we're gaining like a principle here. He's in this ancient Near East culture where there are kingdoms with walls that surround them and residents who live inside them, and they are under the rule and the authority of a centralized figure or a king. And so there is a governing authority. And he is saying if this kingdom is divided against itself, it has no capacity to stand. So this large structure with all of this authority and all of these citizens, if that kingdom isn't united and isn't under the same authoritative voice, it won't stand. And there's examples of this all throughout the scriptures. We see where Absalom curries favor with David's people in the kingdom, and the kingdom is split. And David actually takes his authorities and his governors, and he flees. He runs because he knows that Absalom has, he has won the favor of the people, and he's coming to destroy David. Um, and so he's saying a kingdom that's divided against itself has no capacity to stand. But then he gets a little more intimate. He says a house that's divided. And we think about homes where families are in conflict or in turmoil. Um, maybe where a family has um, lost an authoritative head or where a father assumes kind of a passive role or a single mom has a very passive role and the family just goes buck wild, right? Um, and a family that's divided against itself can't stand. You see this when, when children begin to like um, rebel against their families um, and they're dead set on bringing their families down. A family that's divided against itself can't stand. So Jesus is identifying different authoritative heads and how if the people that they lead are divided against the authoritative head, then there's no capacity for that entity to exist in a kingdom, in a house. And the final thing is Satan. Now it's interesting. He talks about Satan here and he's talking about the person, but he, he uses the word himself. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. Uh, so if a kingdom is opposed to itself, if a house is divided against itself, if Satan is divided against himself, none of those things can stand. And so the principle here is whatever that authoritative head is, that usually that body or that entity is coming under the authority and the provision and um, and the responsibility um, to that authoritative head. They're, they're following the leadership of that head. But if that that authority is separated. If there is division in the people who are meant to follow that king or the people who are meant to follow that household leader or even the spirit realm uh, that's meant to follow Satan, if there's a division there, then that thing will fall. And so the Pharisees have come and said, that guy is filled with the spirit of Satan and he is casting out Satan. Jesus is just simply saying in like a very intelligent way, that's stupid. That's ludicrous. Satan wouldn't come to squash the works of Satan. The, the, the voice of the accuser, his job is not to come into your life and to end all spiritual oppression. He's actually come to oppress you. This is the nature and the character of the works of Satan. He's come to oppress you and to make you into a slave from the inside out and from the outside in. He's going to oppress you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. 
His goal is to choke out life in you. So it makes no sense that the Pharisees would come to Jesus and ascribe his work, which is to give sight to the blind, to give hearing to the deaf, to give life to the dead, and freedom for the captive, like all the Isaiah 61 things, you know, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me and he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, um, to give sight to the blind. This is the anointing of Jesus. And so Jesus is very intelligently saying, your, your notion that I can be filled with Satan and cast out Satan makes no sense. Furthermore, here's a principle that we can gather. Jesus is saying the only way to plunder a strong man's house is to go in and to bind him. And Jesus is identifying himself as the one who has come to bind the strong man. So he comes into the, this house that is ruled by Satan, which the earth tells us that the, the spirit of Satan is like hovering. He's a, the spirit of the air in the earth. Um, that Jesus has come into his house and is binding him and plundering the works of Satan. Uh, he said in another place that the, the work of the Son of Man is to come and to destroy the works of the enemy. And so Jesus is declaring very simply that his goals, his character, um, his capacity, everything that he is about is the exact opposite of Satan. Now, I think that this is really important. And the reason that I wanted to take a few minutes today and just talk about this is that Jesus is talking about the difference in the nature of God's character and his kingdom and his power and the way he does things and the nature of Satan and the kingdom that he is trying to establish in rebellion to God and how he does things. And I think that it's worth bearing out um, what the differences are for us um, as people so that we can understand uh, how we do warfare here on earth, how we bring freedom into people's lives, and what that really looks like. I had this interesting experience uh, probably a year and a half ago or a little more. Uh, Caleb Money and myself, Caleb's a good friend of mine. He's a part of our church here at Fountain City. We were walking around scouting out locations to do some little promotional videos for the church when we were about to plant it a year and a half ago. And as we were doing it, um, I, I kind of came to this new realization about how caught up in the New Age movement our city has become in Columbus, Georgia. Now, Columbus is in the Bible Belt. If you're listening from another place, we are firmly cultural Christian. You know, it's still the primary kind of like, you can kind of assume that people have some background with church or Bible or Christianity. And a lot of times that's been negative experience and the vast majority of our city still does not believe and doesn't follow. But there is this, there is this assumption that you could make um, that people come from some background that is rooted in the church, right? And as we were walking around, something really interesting happened. I kept having these encounters with people who were wildly caught up into the New Age movement. I had a, a guy who has some afflu affluence and influence in our downtown community. I was very influential in uptown Columbus. And he invited me into um, like a drum circle. Um, and, and I can't think of the name now. It was, a, it was like an, East, um, an Eastern mysticism kind of Hindu-esque um, Buddhist-esque prayer rally thing where you kind of sit in a circle and this it's like a little drum circle and this person is praying over people and cleansing their auras and stuff and he invited me like like it was a normal activity um, for a Christian or someone who believes in Jesus to go to that and I remember facing this <laughs> like this challenging moment do I just say oh thanks a lot for the invitation 
or, or do I have one of those conversations that gets a little awkward? Um, and I think we all face those like, you know, where is this man in terms of faith? Uh, does he have any experience with Jesus? Do I confront things in, in a way where I'm, you know, being a little more confrontational and truth telling, but doing it gently? Or do I just kind of let it roll off my back and move on? And in this moment, because of what we're doing, I was just really aware of the influence that God is giving to leaders to, to speak the truth. And I had some relationship with this man. He's been kind to me in the past. And so when he did that, I said, you know, I have to tell you um, that I really feel like that is detrimental to your life. Uh, and that I don't take those kinds of prayer circles and things like that lightly, that you're actually opening yourself up to the demonic realm for spirits to come in and to, to do things to you. You're opening your life up to demonic presence and to spiritual authorities to come in and to take control in areas uh, of your life. And those things um, are only bent to oppress you. You know, as I was doing some study years back about, um, before I move on, the guy was kind of confused, you know, and it was one of those awkward moments, but um, I, I think there was still grace in the conversation. I was gentle and nothing was craggy and sharp or edgy, you know. But I just was kind of lovingly saying, like, please run from that. And um, But it has come to me that the presence of angels and demons in our culture has become so nuanced and so strange. Like, we are, our community, our culture is highly spiritual. Until you start talking about angels and demons and actually, like, faith. And suddenly people act like they don't know what you're talking about, you know. Um, and... One of the things that I'm finding for Christ followers in the Southeast is um, we have gone to sleep many times on the presence of real spiritual entities and the influence that they have in the world around us. Um, We believe that Satan and demons were cast down from heaven because they interacted like Satan overstepped a boundary to tempt humanity and he has rebelled against God in pride to set up his throne. He has overstepped this boundary to where he is trying to manipulate and coerce and influence humanity not to follow God so that he's establishing a rogue kingdom. Uh, and what we see here is that there is actually the presence of demonic and angelic forces, and they actually have authority to accomplish things. And so in this moment, Jesus doesn't back off and say, uh, there is no Satan, there are no demons, which in a very practical way, many Christians actually live like that. We live like it's just a matter of us going to church and just kind of dry religious routine and duty. And we don't interact and engage with the fact that there are spiritual forces and spiritual principalities that are behind things that we're wrestling with. We know the passage where Paul says, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual rulers in heavenly places. This is what we're working against. There is no human on the earth that is my enemy. But Jesus has made it very clear that there are dark spiritual forces that are trying to coerce and manipulate people to live in disobedience and disillusionment and disenchantment toward God so that they will subtly rule over them. And so Jesus doesn't, he doesn't move away from this idea. He actually reinforces it. He says, uh, not that there's no Satan involved here or there's, there are no demons, but he says, that's not my kingdom. And this isn't the character of that kingdom or the power of that kingdom. 
Um, and so what does it look like to see people submitting to the forces and the character and the kingdom, if you will, of Satan and his minions, these demonic spirits? I think we have to understand, number one, that Satan comes, like we know this passage from John 10, that the enemy comes to kill and uh, to steal and kill and destroy. Um, and Jesus is talking right there about anybody who comes opposed to his leadership. So he's not primarily talking about Satan. But we also know throughout the body of Scripture that Satan comes to bring confusion about the identity of God and your identity in him. He comes to dismantle the works of Jesus. So he accuses people according to their sins, labels them, and actually tries to like uh, dismantle who you are before the Father. He goes and accuses you before the Father, and Jesus uh, is the one who is interceding on your behalf. And that's not just like he's praying quietly in the corner. He's actually intervening, and he is proclaiming his blood over your life, right? Like he is intervening with everything that he has. Um, and one of the things I'm finding right now in the church and outside of the church is that we have so confused the lines and the borders between um, s- the spiritual and the physical that oftentimes anything that's spiritual, we open ourselves up to it feeling like that naturally means that it's positive. Uh, there's, a, there's a show right now on, on, um, on Netflix. It's Gwyneth Paltrow. She's got a show called The Goop Lab. And um, I've watched a couple episodes just to see what it was all about. You know, they're doing like different like healing methods and treatments. And honestly, some of the stuff is really like interesting and a lot of it's really weird. Um, but at the heart of it is that we believe we can heal ourselves through opening ourselves up to these different things. One of those, you know, that I have found to be challenging and I don't fully understand it. So I'm not going to pretend that I do um, or even all the implications of it. But when you go to energy healers and chakra, people who are dealing with chakras or energy places in your body and things like that, um, I, I have been shocked at how many people will go to a, a, a Reiki healer before they will actually pray uh, and ask Jesus to heal them or go to the church and have them anointed or repent and confess of some things. And so we have a culture that is prone toward opening ourselves up to all spirituality as a means to healing. But a lot of times, I don't think we have high enough discernment about what we're opening ourselves up to. Um, And this is really, really important. A house divided against itself will not stand. A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Um, And so we believe that Jesus is the authority. He is the only mediator between God and men, and that he is the one that brings healing and life and sustained power and uh, transformation to us. And that doesn't mean that we, that we walk away from medicine, you know, like we're, we're not the, those churches or those brands of, of spirituality that don't believe you can take medicine or anything like that. that that's not what we're saying. But I am saying that when it comes to opening yourselves up to spiritual realms for the sake of healing, you have to be careful because demons have an assignment. And the demonic assignment is to oppress you. Uh, It's funny, when I was studying Hebrews years back, I realized that all angels have a similar assignment. Their assignment, according to Hebrews, is that they are ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. So the assignment of angelic forces is that they are to minister and they are to serve those who are meant to inherit salvation, right? So their job 
is that they are messengers of God sent to serve those of us who are following the way of God and who are being saved. But the demonic realm, these are angels that have been disobedient and been cast down and are subjugated to the authority of Satan. They are representing something different. Now you can imagine if you take the assignment of an angel and you flip it on its head, Angels who are sent to serve, messengers of fire, they come and they are sent to serve those who are walking in the way of God. A demon is actually called to do the exact opposite. They are not coming to serve. They are coming to subjugate. They're not coming to minister. They're coming to oppress. And God has provided this way of escape for people through the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will come and he will fill you body, mind, and soul so that the presence of demonic power and spiritual authorities have no capacity to reign over your mortal body. Now, there are people in our community today, and we just think, man, this person's really weird, or maybe they're strung out on drugs, and maybe that's so. But many people in our communities are actually possessed and oppressed by demonic forces, many of which they have invited in themselves, and many of which have been inflicted on them just because of the strategies and the agenda of Satan himself. And this is really, really important. It, it, is, it is so vital for us to understand that we are not struggling against flesh and blood, but we really are working against principalities and powers of darkness. Um, and so I, I want to invite you to open your eyes to the, the realm of the Spirit and to understand that in the same way that Jesus is talking about the works of Satan— there's also the work of God, that God sent Jesus as a, as a rogue agent of heaven into the earth to bring about deliverance and freedom from oppression for those who are bound up by demonic spirits. And that stuff is still at work today. And so how do we begin to recognize the forces that are at work around us that aren't just um, like alternative healing sources, but actually are opening us up to spirit realm. Uh, one of the things that I think is like a, a really clear indication is if you're in any space um, where people are praying towards spirits or opening themselves up to communication with spirits that aren't directly Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you need to have every red flag and alarm going off in your heart and mind because um, you are a servant of Jesus Christ. And those spiritual powers that you're opening yourself up to, those things aren't without power. They are authorities. They actually have power. And in the demonic and the spiritual realm, they, they have power in the earth. And I'm not saying we need to walk afraid of those things. I'm saying that we don't need to come under submission to those things ever. Um, a good friend of mine, Gilbert Nestor, was here months and months back. And he actually talked about the influence of spiritual forces even over material items and objects. And that the, there are some circumstances where mystically, where um, dark spiritual forces actually inhabit things. And it has an impact on people around them who aren't walking in faith. Or people even who are walking in faith and they're dealing with some pushback in the spirit or some um, spiritual oppression. And so one of the first things we need to ask ourselves is this. Are those alternative healing sources or meditative practices or even physical exercise sources, are they bringing my, my person, physical, mental, and emotional being in submission 
to another spiritual authority. Now, I hear lots of conversations around this topic, particularly when it comes to things like yoga. And guys, to be honest, I don't know. I have friends who feel very convicted about going into yoga labs, particularly when there is a heavy Eastern mysticism. Like, I do think you need to be careful. People are opening themselves up to spiritual authority in the way that their bodies work. Um, and, and this is not something you should just take lightly. You should actually pray into that and make sure that that's not what's happening. Um, there's sometimes where it seems to be more limited to just like a stretching exercise, you know? And so I want to encourage you, make sure that you are operating in discernment. You're walking in some sense of discernment about the spiritual forces you are opening your life up to. The second thing that I want us to understand is that, that the Holy Spirit is the only clean spirit. In the scriptures, demons are referred to as unclean spirits. And the Holy Spirit is the only clean spirit. It is the presence of God in us. And so one of the incredible works, particularly for those of you who are following Jesus, but maybe you have opened yourself up to some other spiritual influences, um, I want to encourage you that there is a practice of just, and, and maybe it's a med- meditative kind of praying, where you're sitting with the Lord and asking Him, are there any open doors? Are there any doors that I have opened to dark forces in my life? You know, ha- have I participated in anything that has cracked a door open to spiritual darkness and demonic oppression in my life or my family or my health? Because, friends, there are times when even in our history, we have cracked a door open where there has been a spiritual authority that has, um, that has put a root in your life and it has caused other things to come up, whether it's sickness, whether it's a pervasive temptation, whether, I, I don't even know. But what I want to encourage you to see is that Jesus's diagnosis for unclean spirits is his authority in his spirit. He comes as the as the, uh, the freedom for oppressed people. He comes as the healing for the diseased. He comes as forgiveness for those who have sinned. He comes as resurrection for those who are dead. Jesus is the great diagnosis for the ills of the world. He is the way and the truth and the life. He's not just about taking up his ethic and his principles so that you can like inherit more money and live, you know, a more fulfilling life. He is the way and the truth in the life. He it's he is the substance of the answer for everything. Um, and in the midst of that, I want you to know that if you have cracked a door open, um, if you have opened yourself up to some spiritual um, oppression or spiritual um I'm trying to think of the word, but where you're participating with some kind of spiritual entity that you have to break ties with that thing and you need to come under submission to the authority of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he binds the strong man, the works of Satan in your life, the character of Satan. He binds the strong man and he puts his spirit, right? There's a passage of scripture that actually says, you know, if you take a a house and you sweep it clean, like if a demon leaves your life, and you sweep it clean and get all purified, but you don't have someone strong living in there to oppose the enemy coming back, then he'll come back with seven more demons. And the idea behind this is for us to understand that Jesus wants us to be inhabited with the strength and the presence and the peace and power that he brings. It's not an oppressive force. It's one that comes to free. 
It's not one that comes to enslave. It's one that comes to heal and to bring wholeness. It's interesting. I've been following the Lord since I was a little boy, and I have never once felt like the Lord forced me to do anything. I always heard of him, even as a child, that he's a gentleman who invites me. And as I follow him and obey him, there certainly is a strength and a presence that comes with walking in his way. But in that same fashion, I, he allows me the freedom of will to make choices as I please. And I can sometimes make disobedient choices that move me away from freedom. They move me more towards um, being submitted to spiritual authorities that are in opposition to God. But that's not what God has called us to, and that's not what He is He is breathing into us. When we live in obedience to Him and allow His Holy Spirit to live in us and live yielded to the Holy Spirit, God cleans us from the inside out and He brings His character. You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And this is the character of the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, being in Spain years back, and I was working with a team of people there. My brother was, um, he lived in Spain for some time. And I went, and I was speaking at a young adult ministry, and after one of the services, there was a young lady there who had no peace in her life. Uh, and she was telling me after the service um, that she, she was like coming to know Christ, but was still pretty uncomfortable and had given her life to Jesus, but felt like something was wrong. Something was hindering her from having any peace or any joy. Uh, and as we were standing there, I just simply talked to her about her life in terms of a house. And I said, listen, it sounds to me like you have opened the door of your life to spiritual forces who have come in and they have inhabited you and they are taking your soul captive. They've actually made you a slave to them so that you don't even experience the good things of being a part of the kingdom of God. And she began to share with me that she had tested the boundaries with Hinduism and she'd gone to ashrams and she was in all of these different temples where she was learning different faith practices. And in the midst of that, it never occurred to her that this is metaphysical. This goes beyond just your physical body, but the, the spirit realm is penetrating the physical realm and is becoming part of your world. And for many of you, if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you. I want to uh, sound a, a, an alarm for you today that spirituality is real, that angels and demons are real, that there is spiritual principalities and powers at work all around us, that every situation in the lives of people around us is not always just them making bad decisions. Like surely they're a part of it, they're participating. But as we look around in the community around us, we're looking at slaves of spiritual forces. And what that ought to do for us is offer us a bit of empathy and compassion toward people where we understand that there's more um, that's going on than just what we can see with the naked eye. There is spiritual um, principality behind it. And so the way that we respond to forces of darkness, guys, even things in our, in our culture like sexism and racism, there are spiritual forces attached to those things. Um, sexual ambiguity right? Gender dysphoria, uh, homosexual movements. Guys, this, this is spiritual in nature as well. It's not just physical. Uh, and so we have to foster a sense of empathy and compassion toward people. Um, but we have to also understand for ourselves that God has called us to be people who are set apart. You know, the, the word church, ecclesia, 
is a compound word of ek and klesia. And those two means two words mean to be called out of, right? Like in, in context, if you put them together, they just mean like a gathering of people, um, an assembly. But when you break it down, it means a group of people that's called out of something. Uh, and in the world, particularly in the ancient world, people were not opposed to the idea of pagan gods and of spiritual darknesses and authorities. All through the scriptures, the apostles are confronting a group of people who are highly spiritual, right? They are, they are worshiping Artemis. They are worshiping Aphrodite. They are worshiping Diana. They are worshiping Zeus. Paul and Barnabas are even at one point called um, different Greek gods, and they have to, they tear their clothes before the people to show them that they are just human, and to make them understand that that is a spiritually dark thing. And so we're in a time and a space where people are moving back into alternative spiritualities, where suddenly pagan spiritual authorities um, and and spiritual openness has become like somehow culturally sexy. And I just want to share with you, if you're a Christ follower. It is not a new thing, and it is not sexy. That there is one Holy Spirit, and He comes to clean the house. He comes to clean the the interior world of your life, and to bring peace and joy in the presence of God, who is a good Father and only gives good gifts. He never oppresses. He doesn't coerce. He doesn't demean and destroy. But the enemy of your soul comes to do all those things. And he will use whatever demonic minion and demonic force to do it. Be it a Reiki healer who is accessing energy sources through spiritual contact. Listen to me, friend. Be careful. I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm just sounding an alarm. Be careful. Do not open yourself up to people who are intermediaries in the spirit and physical realm. if If they're not walking with Jesus. Are you with me? If, if, you, if you need deliverance, go to a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church and say, will you pray with me? I feel like I'm struggling uh, with, with some kind of spiritual force. Go to somebody who is filled up with the Spirit of God and ask them to partner with you. Bring yourself under submission to the authority of Jesus and understand that it is the work of God to destroy the works of Satan. And it is the work of Satan to destroy your life in opposition to God. The very thing that God created is good from the beginning. The enemy has spent his entire existence trying to destroy and mangle and dismember because he knows he can't win. He knows that he is not going to be successful. So he's going to destroy as many of your lives as he can in the process. So what is the call to us out of Mark chapter 3? I would say first is to understand that there is a very real spirit realm and that we need to be cognizant that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not people but against powers and principalities of darkness. So the call is we need to open our eyes of discernment and we need to learn how to pray. We need to ask the Lord, give us discernment about what is you and what is not you. That's one of the key gifts in the early church is that discernment of spirits. The idea that someone can tell the difference between good and evil and not be led astray by something that seems good, but actually leads to slavery and oppression. And so that's really imperative, number one. Number two, make sure that anything uh, that you are submitting to, that it, it always goes through Jesus as the mediator to God. He is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to the goodness and the character and the kindness of God. And if it goes outside of him, 
If you're going to a yoga class where they are asking you to pray toward some spiritual entity or to open yourself up to something that is not Jesus, I could not caution you more strongly. Do not go there. Um, If you are, man, if you're worshiping idols, if you have something where you really like you're praising an item or a person or an object or anything that isn't Jesus, you're in danger of attaching your spirit to some other spiritual entity that wants to make you a slave. Right, so make sure that Jesus is at the center of your life and your worship. Uh, and finally, may, may we cultivate and foster empathy and compassion for people who are being devastated around us. If we believe this, if we actually believe that there are spiritual forces and entities involved in the earth, that means that God has empowered us to participate in his work of dismantling what the enemy is doing in Joe Schmo's life down the road who's struggling with addiction and of Susan's life who's struggling with um, with stealing or pornography or whatever. Like we, we, we have been invited to participate through intercession and prayer and through compassion. We've been invited to participate in God wrecking the enemy's agenda in people's lives. And I don't know about you, but there is nothing more beautiful or more breathtaking than the fact that God has invited us to partake in this. And it's not just spiritual determinism where you back up and say, well, um, God's called that person. They're just going to come around to it whenever they're ready. No, that is not what the scriptures have to say about that. It is all about you and I responding to what the enemy has done in other people's life. God wants to redeem it. I'm going to close with a story. I was in... um, uh, grocery store Winn Dixie is up on Veterans Parkway. If you live in Columbus, Georgia, up on North Veterans. Uh, and years ago, I was buying some balloons and couldn't find a person to help me blow up the balloons. And so um, I kind of called a worker over and said, "Hey, can you help me?" And it was this guy named David. And David had this big brace on his arm. He was sweating profusely. He was a bigger, heavy set guy. And um, as I was standing there, I just started talking to him and I said, "Hey, man, how how'd you hurt your arm?" And uh, he said, "Oh, he said I've had this tendon problem. He said it's just from picking stuff up." Um, and I said, are you going to get surgery on it? And he said, who's going who's gonna to help me do that? And you could just tell, man, he was overwhelmed in that moment. He said, seriously, who's going to help me? He said, if I take three or four weeks out of work or five weeks out of work, he said, they're not going to pay me. And he said, and then I can't pay my bills and I can't take care of things. And so I've just got this brace, but it hurts like crazy. And I feel like I'm dying anytime I pick something up. And I was standing there listening to David talk. And I just got overwhelmed with the compassion of Jesus for him. I could tell you it was like I had compassion for him out of a reservoir that wasn't mine. It was out of God's heart. And uh, I just told him, I said, David, I had, man, I'm not a healer, but man, I've, I have seen Jesus heal so many people. And I would like to just pray for you and maybe, maybe the Lord will heal you. And I just prayed for him, a very simple prayer. God, you see David. You know David. You love him. You want him to know that he's not alone and that there is somebody who has his back and that you love him enough to even touch his arm. And would you just do that, Jesus, and give him peace today? Amen. Really simple, right? And at the end of the prayer, you could tell like he was kind of uh, like nothing changed on his face. I said, does it feel any different? And he took his brace off and picked up a bag of potatoes. <laughs> and I remember just like this was a very normal moment. I didn't feel any like increase of the level of faith in my life. Nothing like that. I just felt compassion. And uh, he said, man, I have not been able to pick anything up without 
searing pain. And he said, this thing is like four times the amount that I've been able to pick up. And he grabs his sack of potatoes and throws it over his shoulder and just walks off. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, this is what I'm alive for. And if I can just inspire you, that's what you're alive for. In, in ordinary and in extraordinary ways to participate in destroying the works of the enemy. Why? Because the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. He has come to make slaves out of humanity. And God has called us to be people who are free. It is for freedom that you've been set free. And the Holy Spirit comes and he causes you to be a free person under the submission to the authority of Jesus Christ who is bringing us into freedom. He's calling us into being sons of glory, sons and daughters, and he's filling us with his spirit. There is more freedom and joy and peace that's available for you through Jesus. And so I want to ask you to push into that today. Thanks for listening for our midweek breakdown podcast. I hope this was helpful. I don't feel specifically knowledgeable about this subject, but I do know that there is authority and power in the name of Jesus and that he is calling us to be people who are set apart to his name. So go after it this week and make sure you understand uh, what you're opening your life up to. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll sort the rest. Amen. Peace.